all ninjas, calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. And where I grew up, where where I got Lime and where my children got Lime with the EM rash and positive blood tests, but, you know, false positive, of course, because it's not here. Um, the wildlife carer, the deer farm owner and his next door neighbour all died within two years of each other. This podcast is sponsored by the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host and acupuncturist McKay Rippey, and this is episode 199 with the co-founder of International Red Shoe Day, Karen Smith. Also welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode you will learn why she moved out of the city and into the Australian outback, about Karen's tick awareness campaign for Australian kids, and the potential progress for Lyme disease treatment in Australia. Thank you, Aurora, and be sure that you listen all the way to the end of this podcast for the Lime Ninja Fact of the Day. As you all know, Lyme disease is an international problem. Each week we have listeners join us from all over the world, and this past week we've had listeners from Cyprus to South Korea and from Ireland to Israel. Also, a big thanks to all of you longtime Lyme ninjas. Or and I really appreciate you listening. And we'd like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lyme Ninja Radio. We're glad you tuned in. Yes. And this week, our top 10 tune-in cities are... Starting at number 10, Greensboro, North Carolina. Number 9, Naperville, Illinois. Number 8, Las Vegas, Nevada. Number 7, Seattle, Washington. Number 6, Portland, Oregon. Number 5, Fafftown, North Carolina. Number 4, Brisbane, Australia. Number 3, New York, New York. Number 2, North Lakes, Australia. And number 1, Albany, New York. Do you know your Lyme score? If not, do yourself a favor and head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and fill out the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. It's free. Thanks, Aurora. Tell us a little bit more about today's guest, Karen Smith. In 2009, Karen came down with a case of Bell's palsy, and after months of ineffective treatment and trips to specialists, the suggestions that her symptoms might be due to an underlying autoimmune disorder inspired her to do more research and the discovery of Lyme and Lyme symptoms in 2010. 
Nowadays, Karen is working to help the people of Australia learn about Lyme disease and other invisible illnesses. She created the Lyme Australia Recognition and Awareness website and was co-creator of the Global Lyme and Invisible Illness website and the co-creator of Red Shoe Day. She is a busy woman. She is. Thank you, Aurora. Here's our interview with Karen Smith. You know, the Australian government doesn't want Lyme disease to be used, but, you know, we need to this. We need this research. This research needs to come and we can't pull away from the rest of the world because it's going to come from the rest of the world. The problem with this, the, the, the Lyme borreliosis community or the, of, of research is we're so busy fighting for our for, for awareness. The doctors are so busy fighting for their rights to pe- treat patients, you know, because they do treat them, they do get out of wheelchairs, they do get their life back. But in all of that fighting, we don't have any clinical trials. We need to step that up, you know, even within our own selves, we need, and, and the governments need to come to the party. They keep saying, you know, long-term antibiotics don't work. Well, there's been two research uh, over in America, two Two people have written about long-term research trials and they, again, have, have many different flaws. So we do actually need to say we need our doctors, but herein lays the problem again. Our doctors are so busy treating patients that they don't have time to show what works or what doesn't, but we actually do need to. We do need these cl- clinical trials to say, okay, well, Doxy works for this one. Why this one and why not that one? Okay, well, you know, it's been shown, for example, that I am bicillin, so you're amoxicillin you know by injection intramuscular injection actually works better with some european strains the standard doxycycline from what i gather is given doxycycline is given because it's such a broad spectrum so in america potentially you know you've got in a lichia and anaplasma are potential co-infections along with borrelia so it's a broad spectrum that might get everything or, or a lot that is covered with that tick but you also have amoxicillin and that seems to be better for the european species you know so but there seems to so there needs to be okay we we, we need clinical trials and we need within our own community if, if the governments aren't willing to do that to start you know one thing i want to do with with lime australia and friends which is a support group that i i co-admin with with six other people so there's seven of us is where we want to and this is to help our our, our patients our our people in there is to actually develop a um to develop a, a checklist of these are the symptoms I had, these are the treatments, these are the co-infections that I was either diagnosed with blood or clinically, this is what's helped. And we're hoping by that way that we might be able to, and we're as patients are, do, are trying to do these for people because we now have treatments like hypothermia, ozone, IVs, you know, and in Australia, most a lot of people are having to travel overseas for this. So we've got parents selling their houses. If the treatment doesn't work, they're potentially losing their houses. So, you know, we're and, – and as a patient group, we're actually going, well, let's develop something that we can say, I had these symptoms, this treatment helped me or this treatment didn't help me. You know, we're trying to do this for other patients where this should be done on it. The government should step up. The you know there, there, there needs to be so much more research, and it just seems it's yeah it's 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 one of those things where like I, I can understand a doctor saying 
where do I start? What do you want me to do? Because in reality, it's like, what what do you want them to do? There's there's no ILADS guidelines, are, and this is another thing that we're trying to get across to the Australian government because they, they seem intent on, on, you know, focusing on the American position, even though we'd be better off using the, the European guidelines, which is still, but everyone focuses on the American IDSA guidelines. And yet what no one's looking at is the fact that IDSA guidelines for treatment have been removed from the Westinghouse Clearinghouse for over 12 months. ILADS guidelines are up there, but no one's looking at those. Um, you guys just lost America, just had another doctor, Dr. Marty Ross you know, who I noticed many years ago, used to share a lot of these videos, was just reprimanded uh, and just closed his business last month um, for treating Lyme patients. Um, I'm not sure if you've, you've seen his work on the net, like treatlyme.com. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not aware of him. Um, well, but now uh, that he's not a doctor anymore, he, he can speak <laughs> out. <laughs> well, they, they pressured it, you know. but Yeah, they took his license it, away, yeah. 52, well, they threatened to. It's a bit similar to what they've done to Jones and that who was helping children from all over the world, you know. They they, they pressured them to the point. And even Jemzik, you know, Jemzik was awarded how many different awards and highly commended for all his work with AIDS patients. The minute he touched Lyme disease patients, he was harassed, taken to court, now has to pay huge amounts of money to have those people audit his books or look at his, you know, practice records and stuff like that. So it's um, – I think you guys are up to – well, last time I looked about 55, 56 doctors that have been – and one of those took his own life, um, harassed by the medical board. Um, so it's – yeah, it's, it's one that until we can get mainstream, until we get – you know, if we get some clinical – Clinical trials, I don't know what the answer is. And, and doing those clinical trials then opens up the doctors that are actually treating to more litigation from the <laughs> – it's it's this round circle. But I think I think we both realise, I, I think, from even when we first started talking about Red Shoe Day and that back in 2014, that it is changing. The, the, it's changing slowly. There's more people willing to talk about it. Um, there's more and more people now, probably you know, overseas and, and things that are actually willing to stand up and say, I've had this and I've been fighting this. So uh, another five or ten years, though, maybe. But And some people don't have that. That's the worry. Right. So we just we keep fighting. I mean, I'm I'm in this for. I'm I'm in this for for a very long time. <laughs> I'm in this till it's till it's finished. Um, I, I don't think you can see the level of suffering within a community and walk away. I I, I can't. Um, and I guess it's the way I'm built and and the fact that um, my girls have Lyme. They are actually now you know they're functioning Lymies. But potentially, as we know, and, you know, Jenna Luce Thayer and, and her team actually just, you know, the WHO, the World Health Organization, now has an ICD code for congenital Lyme. And um, we've had so many people enter our groups saying that they got sick once after being pregnant because the immune system had just been lowered to that point. Right, which um, happens during pregnancy, yeah. 
Yep. So, you know, and then some will find out sadly that their children had it and things like that. So I guess for me, this is a very, it's a part of who I am. It's, you know, from a very young age when I left home at, at 15, I decided that if things weren't in a, in a situation that I, you know, didn't like, I'd either leave the situation or change the situation. You can't leave Lime World, so, you know, you're in it to change it. And it's for me, it's it's because it's taken six or seven years of my life, but it's also for my children, for my grandchildren. I don't want my grandchildren to have to be fighting, you know, potentially if I do have grandchildren. Um, you know, my, my, my children might decide that this is that's not what they want out of life, but it's also the fact that I've seen so many and I've, my first, you know, I've received so many messages of you've, you've changed my life or you've saved my life or, you know, and that we always, I think a lot of people in the Lyme community say if we can change one life, if we can make someone aware, if we can make sure that someone else doesn't go through this, then it's been worth it. So we keep changing and I, I know some, you know, I've had a few people say to me, I've, you know, they, they've got their health back and they've got out of Lyme World because it was too traumatic, you know. Mm -hmm. They're just going through it. They've had to get out of it to continue on with their life and they're like, well, you're a very strong person to stay in it. And I'm like, well, I, I think the universe knew what it was doing when my children got it because it's just not something that I can leave, you know. And I see so many teenagers losing their life and I've seen teenagers in wheelchairs, get treatment and get out of those wheelchairs and get their life back. That is why we do it because we know that some people in wheelchairs or some people so sick don't have to be there, you know. So I'm 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 hopeful that the new I'm I'm the forum that we had recently in Australia and the third meeting. There's a long way to go, but I'm hopeful with the new team, the way that they've put themselves, that they are. I really do believe they're, they're, a, they're a younger team and, and I think that's like you were saying before, it's the younger, yeah. it's, it's the younger generation, they're, they're a younger team that really seem to want to help us. Um, so, but again, they're, they're a new team, which means they have to get up to scratch on all of this. So we've, we've lost some of that time, but I think we've gained so much in the fact that this new team is willing to look at the science, willing to not just go, well, it's not here because these guys have said they're willing to look with open minds. That's the that's the impression that I got two weeks ago, and I certainly hope that um, that's the case because we need we need something to change really. And uh, you guys have got what have they now listed at three hundred thousand cases, new cases in in America each year, and I've that's, that's correct the estimate. Yeah, that's the. So uh, this and this is the argument, and then you've got that over in Europe plus. So you've got nearly a million cases worldwide every year, new cases every year, and yet Australia is the only continent that you can't get it. We really are the lucky country, aren't we? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's it's and it's and I think as you guys know, as we know, as we're trying to put forward to um, to our government. If you treat this in a, in, a, in the acute stage, you're good to go. You, you can you save know? a lot of people. And this is why awareness is is so critical, so critical. Because it's like four to six weeks worth of antibiotics in in the um, initial stages, and 
you don't have all that damage. So, and that's another area we're fighting with the medical community. Lyme, you know, because of the American American stance as well, Lyme borreliosis is not, you know, chronic. Um, but, you know, the argument there is it's like, you know, Q fever, which is I'm not sure if you can get that in America it's a, and it's infection in Australia, but we know that acute Q fever is quite easy to treat. We know that chronic Q fever, once it's disseminated and been in the body for a long time, is very difficult to treat, you know. Um, tuberculosis, we know that you can go to a different country and pick up tuberculosis and it can sit latent in the body for many, many years and then you can get sick afterwards, the same as Borrelia. So why, why is it? you know, different, why can you, you know, the, the way they put it. So I think it's all about education and I'll end it with, I, I guess, one of the things that um, Lara and Gleo, like with Lisa, over that we've tried to put forward is for the children, it's all about that younger generation and teaching the children. And, you know, we've got a saying here in Australia, she'll be right, mate. <laughs> so it, it's, it's kind of like I want to say with ticks, you know, people say, you'll, you'll see someone's got bitten by a tick. Oh, she'll be right, mate. She won't be right, mate. <laughs> we need to educate. And that's because <coughs> we've always been taught that ticks aren't a problem. So a campaign that I've developed for children, <coughs> excuse me, it's called the RAW campaign. So that goes along the same, you know, if you see some messages, or slip, slop, slap, you know, you get, you get those catchy little messages. Mm-hmm. So RAW is repel, observe, aware, report, remove. So it's, you know, the RAW with the tiger to sort of try and get that with the kids, you know. Um, So repel, wear repellent, observe, perform a tick check, aware, be aware that ticks can make you sick, report to your teacher or your parents that you've got, don't just pull it, you know, and remove, learn to remove safely. So, so starting to develop campaigns that actually focus on, you know, if we can't get this generation, you know, where we're at at the moment to, to take ticks seriously because we've always been told that yeah, ticks aren't a problem, if we can at least start with our children in our primary school, to, we're going to have a generation of people not being scared of ticks but being aware, just, just to be aware that they can actually make you sick and this is what you need to do if you have a tick bite, you know. I saw someone the other day going, my son's going on a camp for 12 days, should I let him go? And everyone's like, no, 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 no. And I, I, I kind of I disagree with that to the point where if, if you're going to go, no, you can't go on it because of Lyme, you're actually you're not living fully anyway. You know, it's, it's not about not participating. It's about being aware there's, you know, be tick aware, wear your repellent. You know, if you're going there, I think Buna, one of the herbalists, say you know, astragalus to help build the white boost the white blood cells and you know there's there's a lot of different things that you can actually do to boost your immune system and to just be aware to to live safely you know we have road awareness put a seatbelt on or you could go through the you know (laughs) go through the windscreen absolutely you know put on put on repellent and stop these ticks so so yes that's where i'm at at the moment over here still still plodding away so finally get around to answering the question (laughs) (laughs) an hour and a half later (laughs) we could always always talk yes that's uh, i i i guess for me there's a lot (coughs) 
um, you know, we have the couple of associations that do the different science, that do um, the political, you know, advocate the political, and and I've always done those as well. I've you know, be having a you know, having the the science background, it's it's kind of been. My first three years in advocacy, I started as a sprint because I fully believed, being a researcher, that if we just gave them the science, <laughs> the science set us oh, free. Oh, you idealist, you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Now I've gone to, oh, okay, it's it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It absolutely uh, is, yeah. I kind of wore myself out in the first few years, so I had to take a little bit of time away because... This can be, you know, because you can empathise so much with the patients too. So I've kind of gone, we've given them so much research, we've given them so much politics. So for me now, we've got the other associations doing that. For me, the, my, and it's, it's an, I am an idealist, Mackay. It's, it's one of those with Global Lyme and Invisible Illness being the, you know, the charity that the Amer American Lisa Hilton and I co-founded. What we want to do with that is, and especially with Red Shoe Day and looking at how that came about and the fact that a lot of patients here aren't supported. So I'm kind of stepping a little bit back. I'll, I'll always have to put my, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a redhead and a female. I'll always have to have my say about the science and what I know about it because it'll always be there. But my focus now and the association's focus here is on the patients because I can see that this is going to be another five or ten years. In the meantime, we still have patients that are taking their own lives. We still have patients that have been treated poorly. So my aim is to... I have a very big goal, which is to do some, you know, fundraisers and to buy land, to buy 100 acres where, you know, in each state of Australia where we can put houses and cabins so that those that might have their family walk away because it's not here or it, as was the case with theatre and um, her mum, Carol, you know, she was just to the point of exhaustion and there was nowhere where she could get help because she had Lyme disease, which wasn't in Australia. So if we have a cabin where the carers can come and know that someone is there to look out for, you know, they're, the one they're caring for, they can just come and sleep for a week. Um, so that's my, my idea and my ideal goal at the moment. So working on looking at working on how we can make those happen. So... Um, that will be my focus for the next however many, many years, but that's what, <coughs> excuse me, that's where I'm, that we're looking at in Australia. And if we can do that in Australia, then potentially, you know, we can put forward a plan where that might be able to happen in America and, and Europe as well, you know, but we're, we're going to start with that in Australia where it's a little bit easier to buy land. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. You know, I, hear Europe you, is, I hear you have a lot of it over there. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. Um, you know, it's the. I guess from my being out here in the middle of nowhere, there's 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 less smog pollution, EMFs. There's less even all, the the, all that, the, yeah. the water is tank water, so we don't have the. Yep. You know, so everything that a, a, a chronically ill person with a suppressed immune system, you know, we live perfectly in our environment that has all these, but once the immune system is suppressed, we can't get back up to, on top of it. So if we have land where, you know, we can actually, and, you know, we'll start slow, one one little air, one 
one state, and, you know, we might put a cabin or here or there, but um, we all have to start s slowly with this. But, you know, and if we never, so that's, I think for me is, you know, continually that the marathon is, is um, has been started, but we, <coughs> we have enough of us. <coughs> and um, there's a lot of money being put into research and a lot of money being put into, you know, the awareness and politics. <coughs> but at the moment that's they are actually needed, but also the patients are kind of just there waiting for all this to happen. So we'll hopefully, you know, be able to give a little bit back to the patients. It's a wonderful dream. You are an idealist. And I have talked you <laughs> to death apparently because I hear you coughing. Mm. Something's got to shut me up, right? <laughs> <laughs> I well, that's I do. I can, you know. I'm I'm out here by myself, and I very rarely talk. Oh well, I see people maybe once a fortnight because I do have to manage my own environment. Too much sensory input, and I'll start with the dystonia and things like that. Um, but it's just it's. I'm still getting my health back. So, yes, when I do talk to someone, I tend to talk a lot, but we've always talked. We've all, There's so many areas to cover in this. I think, you know, our, our interviews are notoriously long about lots of things. <laughs> yeah, actually, today we were fairly focused. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, pretty good because I'm like, I, I listened to one of the Red Shoe Day interviews and you could, mm -hmm. oh, the first one, <laughs> some of them. It's, um, and I think it, it's quite interesting because sometimes I had a few people say to me, and I, I, I don't see myself as an excitable person, but I listened to the first interview of Red Shoe Day with Red Shoe Day coming up now, at, or, you know, last fortnight. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, my voice in there is very, very high pitched, and, and I wonder, you know, like I, I didn't even realise myself that, I think with the, all the neurological stuff going on, sometimes you don't realise because I, I, on my relocation trip I stayed at a hotel that I'd stayed at when I was quite sick and they're like, oh, you don't, you're not as excitable. And I'm like, I'm not excitable. <laughs> you know? I'm but, calm. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, they just made but that, the, the tone of your voice. The tone of my voice, yeah. And, and I listened back on that Red Shoe Day one and the higher type pitch and whether that's just the way you're trying to – because I think sometimes one thing I've noticed, and, and we all in the Lyme community say that we do it, we kind of tend to just interrupt and jump in and, and jump all over the place because our brain's like, oh, 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 I'm going to forget that. I've just got to say it. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, Conversation in a Lyme support group is hilarious if you, you, know, if you actually get to a catch-up because everyone's doing the same thing. It's, you know, I, that's it's exactly that way in my little Lyme support group here in in Central New York, and it can get quite quite bouncy as <laughs> as everybody gets gets their two cents in. And that's I mean I used to be a I, I was a listener you know I'd listen to everyone and very rarely say anything but I think you know I'm out here I don't talk a lot and when I do talk you can't <laughs> shut me up <laughs> but I jump. I don't, I, I do jump, like I've had a couple of people, so, you know, the conversations, and I think that's a part of our brain, just, it, it'll focus on. Part of it's, yeah, it's it's glutamate, and I'm still, I've been researching nitric oxide now, 
gently for the past year, and I and I, at some point I'm going to write something. But I think it's also nitric oxide. I think somehow we become deficient in nitric oxide production, and nitric oxide uh, can have a calming effect. Believe it or not, it does a lot more than just uh, dilate blood vessels. So it's oh. there's some very very interesting things in every every time. So I'm, I I work with some people who do a lot of work with genetic nutrition, and you know there are lots of different pathways that are involved. And in my mind, I just see nitric oxide just keeps cropping up in, I would, in I all would of include. these in all of these. So I there is something there. I don't know what it I, is. I think you've hit the nail on the head, actually, Mackay, and I'd love for you to write something about that. And because two reasons, I believe that the excitability in my brain and my sensory input, like Sylvia's ability to listen to music and TV, and I, I guess this is why I still do so much advocacy and support. I still can't listen to TV or, or listen to music or watch TV. It's just too much sensory input. So my, you know, um. So I've got a lot of my health back, but I still have these issues. And what you've just said about glutamate is what I believe I've been starting to look at the last 12 months myself, that potentially increasing the GABA might do it. But that nitric oxide, I'll flick you a couple of papers. It's, it's funny that, that you say that because my first, when I went for treatment in the UK, the head doctor over there, when I queried about having B12, IV B12, mm -hmm. she linked it all to the nitric oxide cycle. So I, I really think you're onto something there. She said we need to regulate that cycle because there's an issue. I can't really remember all the specifics. I have one short paper on it, but I, I think that what you're saying and what you've actually from experience seen is very important. Those two areas really do need to be followed up on because the glutamate can actually even with what i'm what i'm learning is if you've had hypoperfusion the 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 oxygen the calcium the calcium and the influx and the glutamate can actually get interrupted yes so so that's and right. that's and why i've started right once the calcium's limited then the not there's the the inos which is the inducible nitric oxide, which is calcium independent. And I think that kicks in when the enos and the, so the, the endothelial nos and the neuronal nos, and, and there's some indication that there might also be a mitochondrial nitric oxide synthase. So when those wow. are, it, but those are tightly regulated by calcium. So there's no calcium available. They're, they're not going to fire off. So INOS steps in and this, they know this happens with older people because your nitric oxide, like everything else, when you get older, get production reduces. And so what fills the gap for a while is this INOS, but this INOS is highly excitable. And then you get something like an infection and things go off the rails because all of a sudden there's too much, but it's, and, and, and you know, and and so now you've got this extra uh, overproduction of nitric. This is anyway my working theory: uh, overproduction of nitric oxide, which further reduces the the physiological nitric oxide uh, production. So now, when things finally quiet down, if you can get them to quiet down, yeah, then you're you're really it's you, the damage has been done. You're not creating it. Your mitochondria are beat to hell. And you've got all these additional problems that, that come on. And the other funny thing about the, the, the nitric oxide that I, I, I think it explains why there's, there's these traveling, uh, issues. Like people have, you know, traveling joint pains or traveling symptoms because the nitric oxide doesn't travel. 
at all in the mm. body. It, it, it only lasts maybe a couple, maybe a couple seconds, but it's interacting with what's available locally, the tissue that's available yeah. locally. So it's not a systemic signaling molecule. It's very localized. So if you have a local okay. problem, it's a local problem. You know, you can have a problem, nitric oxide in your elbow, and it's not going to affect your brain necessarily. Now, maybe there's some oh, okay. down, downstream things or upstream things that might get affected, but it's very localized. So once your body gets it under control and then the dam breaks somewhere else and all of a sudden, you know, you've got another similar problem. But, you know, it really it's 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 a new problem because the tissue over here is now activated. Uh, so they're, ju they're just anyway, it just keeps showing up. It just and I, keeps yeah. showing up. And it's funny that you mentioned that because, like I said, glutamate and GABA is something I'm now looking into. And nitric oxide was something that the UK doctor brought up for me many, many years ago as an issue and, and a need to regulate. One of the Apparently, one of the products we use for nitri uh, for glutamate scavenging is is niacin. So, but, you know, depending on your kind of methylation status and your histamine status, some people don't handle the the uh the niacin very well but it's a it's a pretty good glutamate scavenger niacin so if you um, want to experiment just just you can try that there 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 are other herbs too that do with it i also i should send you a list um, yeah that would be well i know for me i have the mtfhr i've got the one so i'm you know sulfur sensitive have you had your 23 and me done no i would okay. like to um, well don't bother now because they've changed everything so Oh, okay. Um, it was, it's one of those where you go, okay, I need that done, but it's it's one when there's so many different things to cover and, and money is an issue when you've spent, you know, for me, I think my health to get me where I am now is close to a hundred, you know, if not over a hundred thousand dollars. It's yeah, just, sure. you know, it's just crazy. But um, it's just, yeah, there's, there's a thing with, and I'm also, so I have, the vasodilation, the the blood pressure issues. So that's a problem. I've got to be aware of that with the brain and you know getting the, the correct so oxygen you, and blood do flow. Have, do you have POTS? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yep. So that was that was a big thing. Um, I've now with the EDS guy chronically. So my blood pressure, the the lower that never goes over sixty. So I mean, when I was really sick, forties. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. My doctor would say to me, "How are you actually Function. sitting here right now?" Exactly, not, not past <laughs> and I'm that. Like, and I'm like, "Well, this is why I cancelled the last three doctors' appointments because I couldn't actually sit up or get out of bed." You know, this is me. So you can imagine what my blood pressure was like there if I'm sitting here in front of you right now, and you know, it'd be something like seventy over fifty, or you know, it was just ridiculous numbers. Um, but I've, you know, the so I've got the looking at so controlling the blood pressure helps a lot, but also um, I have the histamine. The the mast cell activation was set off very uh, very badly, so that's so I have all of these issues. The histamine. How's, I'm, how's your digestion been? It's actually been not been too bad. It's okay. one of the well, I say that, but then I lost. I I was down to fifty kilos, so the ability. <laughs> to absorb was was really broken and that's where for me that was way back in my illness now it's not so bad but when I was down to the 50 like the ability to absorb the protein everything from the, the cells when I went to the UK for treatment my daughter I went over by myself because you know my kids were working 
Um, my daughter actually came over a month later for some treatment for herself. And the first thing she said to me was, wow, you've put on weight. You know? <laughs> like a good thing, right? <laughs> what? Yeah, because I, I looked shocking, you know. You do you do need some fat cells to actually pad out, you know, your, when, you're, when you're looking at it. So, But I, there was nothing I could do. I was eating. I just wasn't. You know, I was. I think everyone assumed I was anorexic or I was bulimic or you know, like the assumption. Well, that's you know, that's the you know, again, not to defend people who don't know, but that's that's the base that they that's their base of knowledge that they're coming from. You know, so, and I, we don't. You know, we just don't see sick people that that waste away anymore. You know, the, people don't get to that point with uh, with diabetes. So you know. Or every once well, in a while, someone with cancer will, will waste away like that. But they're in a hospital. Nobody sees them. Yeah. Or they're, like I ended up being housebound or bedbound. Yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah. Oh, so I mean, sad. So, yes, that's, I think that's the thing. And um, with that, so, yeah, I didn't really have the, the digestive issues. But obviously I did because I wasn't absorbing any of the nutrients. And for me, that's where IV vitamins and minerals have played such a huge role as well as the antibiotics. And now what I'm saying to, you know, we find that the mitochondrial damage afterwards plays a huge role. Huge, huge role. And then we then add antibiotics to that mix. And the DNA from the mitochondria is damaged because of the antibiotics. (laughs) It's, it's, It's just such a... You know, you're, the antibiotics will damage the mitochondria, but in some cases you need the antibiotics to kill the bugs that just are damaging the mitochondria. Right, yeah. oh, it's it's just it's such a catch-22. Yeah. Well, um, I think, you know, the well, people make their own decisions, but, you know, if you're – like I had a, a, a patient. She was coming in for other reasons, uh, and I think she already had a previous exposure to something like Lyme. Anyway, she gets bit by a tick. She even – she even finds the tick on her and she gets sick and she is not inclined to go for antibiotics. And I said, go get antibiotics, go get your 30 days of doxycycline. You will survive the, the doxy. It won't, it's not going to, you will survive it. And the chances yeah. of it helping your immune system clear out much of the Lyme disease is, is greatly heightened. So, you know, she finally knuckled under and, and went and got it and, and is doing a lot better. Now, you know, we're starting to supplement with herbs and other things like that. It's not just doxy alone, but yeah, you know, it, it but it, but you know, I, we've got some nuance, you know, she's, I, I, tooting my own horn, she's lucky to have me to have a little nuanced conversation about it once to push her there and then to realize not, you know, just to keep going with it or, to, you know, if things stay bad, you just yeah. shoot up the end of box and get worse, you know, bigger and bigger bombs to kill off the bugs that are probably hiding somewhere. And you're dealing with something else besides, you know, just because, and th- this is the tough part. This is in that my, 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 my friend who's so, who's so sick uh, has brought this up is just cause you had the, the infection once doesn't mean it's the only thing that's going on with you. Like you and, and mm. the genetic, uh, problems that you're having with the with the collagen and and the connective tissue it's like that's that's another problem now it's made worse by wine or or whatever you're dealing with but it's you know it it's another problem now and you can't throw antibiotics at that that's not going to help that that needs a separate treatment regimen 
And exactly. You know, and th- and that's where it gets so maddening is like we we're so focused on kill the bug, kill the bug, kill the bug, kill the bug. Okay, maybe the bug's dead, maybe not. Maybe it's hiding, probably. So, you know, are are your symptoms infection related, active infection related? Not, you know, have you cleared the Lyme or not, but what what else could be going on? So, we fall it's you couldn't get the diagnosis because you were stuck inside a diagnostic box. And now that you have the diagnosis, you can't see the other things because you're stuck inside that diagnostic box. It's, oh, you're singing my song, buddy. You know, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's, it's just, again, it's human nature. It's, it's human. We finally found that, you know, you finally found the answer. I'm sorry for standing on my soapbox here. Finally found the answer. I have Lyme disease. We're going to kill it. We're yep. going to kill it. Okay, now that we've killed it, right? Well, I, I can't, and this is where you get, you know, the, this is where we need the really, really good testing. You know, have we killed it or not? You know, and and if we haven't, what else is going on? And that's, I, I just, you sing on my song because it's just something that I've said for a very long time that, you know, for me and being the researcher that I am, I'm, you know, I haven't taken antibiotics for quite some time is there still something going on with me? Yes, there is. But what is it? It's, is it, is there, is the infection still there? Is it something with the glutamate and the GABA gone out of whack? We know that there's damage to dystonia, acquired dystonia is damage to the basal ganglia. The next area I'm looking at is potentially doing some oxygen therapy um, because that's supposed to help, you know, so it's not always a, about the bug is the bug still in my body it could be right because we we know that it goes cystic um therefore i can switch to herbs though i can keep supporting the immune system and this is the problem people are so sick and some of the doctors even though they're trying to help some are still learning so the whole focus is on kill 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 but there's you know, I've had one guy who, you know, contacted me. He had a diagnosis of MND. He was 23. And I said to him, what's, you know, what's from what, MND? Motor neuron disease. Okay, thank uh, you, thank you. Yep. I, 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 ALS in America, mm-hmm. or, or Lou Gehrig's. So, yeah. you know, it's a two to three years and you're dead, basically, diagnosis. And, and this is what we've said to doctors too. If you're going to give someone a death sentence, why can't you trial antibiotics? Um, <laughs> exactly. A challenge. <laughs> you know? What the hell? And you're going to die anyway, right? Right. Spend, spend so, 30 bucks on antibiotics, see what happens. And that's it. And that's the challenge. And like you're saying, the testing. But, you know, sometimes you can, like for me, I weaned myself off the antibiotics. Every time I got a fever, I would take another five days because, you know, once the the once you've got antibiotics in your body for four or five days anyway after that and it's reached peak blood levels the spirochetes have turned cystic anyway so you know it's it's that combination but there is there is so much and what i said to this mnd guy is look from my experience being in the lime world and i think that's where sometimes actually being in some of these groups and you know like you i see some of the stuff that you post in the uk and in in other groups and you know and like myself like i I can see your knowledge base has been expanding hugely with all the different people you talk to and it's, it's the same for me being in the support group someone might have researched a symptom that is different to what i've had and their research is phenomenal and you go and you look and you you know you find out some more information that potentially can help someone else as well so there's this 
great big source of rather than just giving antibiotics. And, and for me, it's just there's been so much damage done to the body that sometimes give the antibiotics but look at the other areas. And with this guy with motor neuron, I said, you know, I've, that, there's been quite a few. What I see with motor neuron is if you hit it too hard and too fast, the potential to die is much faster. They've even shown this with the, the few studies that they gave the motor neuron disease patients. The Herxheimer is too too huge, just, and because too weak, and yeah. they're too weak. Too I weak. said so. Yeah. You, so my suggestion to him was go to a clinic that actually does something. It detoxes the body first. Have a look at what parasites you've got. Have a look at what heavy metals you've got. Have a look at build your immune system. Then you've got a baseline of where you're at and then potentially do the antibiotics, mm -hmm. you know. So I think sometimes with two, there's a lot of doctors in America when I first started reading about them, they do do that. They actually treat the parasites and the worms and the bugs and everything else first. Um, but some some doctors are sort of just going, well, let's just kill the bug. And and I, I, I think that any doctor that's willing to put his license or their her license on the line to treat you know, Lyme and Co deserves huge recommendations, but some of them are just learning too and they're on the go learning and it's kind of like, you know, it's patients. Kind of, kind of like your doctor who made the mistake, right? It's Yeah. Yeah. And this 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 is a life and death situation sometimes. It's Well for me it's it's yeah, it, it is. And and I, I had a message from you know, with Red Shoe Day I, I have one friend that constantly that's a healthy friend and you know, we all say that being supported by our healthy friends in something like Red Shoe Day, which, you know, a lot of our, it's confronting to a lot of other people that we do have people that, you know, that we lose. Um, but like she said to me, you know, or she said on the post of sharing Red Shoe Day, this, this means the world to me. And, and she wrote there, and sometimes you forget, but she wrote, you know, to this 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 day is important to me because, you know, she said something like she fought this, you know, fought this disease with grace and dignity, which is quite nice to see how someone else viewed you fighting it. But she said, and we are a long way from nearly losing you, my darling. You know, you forget how close you were to dying. Right. When you're, you know. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's the thing. It's it's. You know, if I had have just said, okay, I have early onset Parkinson's or I, they don't know what was wrong with me, I do truly believe I would probably be dead at this stage. You know, if I had have accepted their, yeah. we yeah. don't know, and yeah. you're just and in bed. on your death certificate, you know, Parkinson's. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, um, and we are actually getting a lot of doctors now putting out there that we should listen to our patients and utilize our patients, utilize the patients as, as information for us to learn and grow. Those doctors are incredible. Radicals. And I, They're radicals. <laughs> I, I have my one, I, I was very, very lucky. Well, I count myself very lucky in that the fact that the second doctor surgery I walked into the GP there, while she didn't know anything about it and told me she couldn't treat me because she would lose her licence, supported me. She believed me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think she might have thought I was a little bit crazy until I went overseas for treatment and then came back. And I think that difference that she saw in me made her a true believer. Yeah. Yeah. 
and um, her husband, I call him the cutter. She, she's my sort of support person and he, I had, um, you know, because with Lyme your immune system is down or any chronic illness, so I had, I started developing some squash cell carcinoma, some skin. Yeah, yeah. Um, skin cancer. So he was, he, I would go to him to, to, to cut them out um, and he, every time, Karen, I've got a med student here, can, um, or he, he, I'd got walk into the room, the med student would be there. He's like, oh, I've just got to go and see this other patient. I'll be back in 15 minutes. He'd talk to Karen about, you know, Lyme. <laughs> he would leave me with all these different men. And I went up for my son's engagement again, and I went and saw him about, you know, I've got a few issues with the skin again. So are you busy, Karen? Have you got time? I've got another med student here. <laughs> Can you talk? So they're encouraging the fact that they know, they've seen, and they're willing to actually put young students in a room where you just need, you know, half an hour to say, you know, it's not just about Lyme, it's about the fact that ticks can carry numerous infections and, you know, you know they're not being taught about at school. Know that, you know, if someone comes into you with neurological symptoms or, or psychiatric symptoms, it might not be. You know, it could be encephalitis, it could be Borrelia, it could be this, it could be that. You know, there's all these options that they don't just, you know, they might not need a psychiatrist, they just might need some treatment. But it's encouraging that there's doctors out there and, you know, I when I was at the forum I said something to, to a lady that was at the end of the day and I was quite tired and I'm like, and I said, you know, I, I generalised, which I shouldn't do, but, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, doctors just want to put you in a box and medicate you. <laughs> she was a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, so it's not, I think, the younger generation, hopefully we do have those that don't just want to say. And, and most people, and you'll probably agree to this, you know, the fact that the hormones and the inflammation that those hormones create and the fact that, the hormones affect the hypothalamus-pituitary axis. The higher percentage of females in this thing has meant that it's more a histronic disease. You know, typically it's it's you know it's just women. Um, if it, if it affected more males than females, you know, it, we've even had some of the males in our group go. We wonder how it would be dealt with if there was more males affected. You know, I think the males are out there. I think they're they're affected in other ways, and so they're the people having heart attacks and and things like that. And uh, oh, it's so sad that you know that this really active who's been out in the you know he cycles every day and he all of a sudden his heart just gives out on him. And, you know things. Like yeah, that. I know. So, I, I, you know, I, 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 something I, I've said I, about go ahead. the males is that I, something I've said about the male population is I believe that they're not necessarily in the in the groups or anything because when it hits them, it hits them hard and fast. Most of the males that we see have an MND diagnosis yes. or, like you say, they're yeah. having heart. So when they they actually seem to manage the health, doesn't seem to go a little bit up and down potentially with the hormones and that, but when it hits, you'll see a male doesn't have very long to actually fix it or correct it. Or like you say, you've seen so many young kids, Mackay, with, with heart attacks. And if you look at their history, really? you know, they've got a history of sports and, and stuff like that. And, you know, it goes back to even when I, I used to play hockey as a teenager and 
15, I think the young girl was 15 or 16. We just had a reunion. I didn't go, but um, looking back at all that, you know, they had those that had passed as we were growing up. And, yeah, she was 16 years old and a heart attack on the hockey field. Mm. You know, it, it might not have, and no one ever knew what it was. Of course, of course. You know, and it might not be Lyme, but you see these things and you go, well, why are, are sporty people having heart attacks or or why are like right, at, at that age, right? And and where I grew up, where where I got Lyme and where my children got Lyme with the EM rash and positive blood tests, but you know false positive, of course, because it's not here. Um, the wildlife carer, the deer farm owner, and his next door neighbour all died within two years of each other. Well, you know, people here are getting scared now. So it's, you know, the, the medical system and the systems aren't quite uh, up to speed yet, but the, the people are, the, 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 the ordinary people, lay people are, are pretty much up to speed with it. You don't, you don't hear people that much anymore who are just completely uneducated about it. You know, I that's, that's, you know, that's, it's good news. I see more of your TV state. I see more of your TV stations compared to say four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. I see more of your bigger TV stations prepared to put out about Lyme awareness and stuff like that. So yeah, I think the average the average Joe Blow now, where it's just oh you know, Lyme loonies, um, and and ignore it. I think it's now coming out. And again, I, I, the vaccine and the, the desire for them to patent and make more vaccines. I think works to the advantage of raising awareness because now the actual truth about how many people are affected is coming out. You know, listening to Karen speak about getting Lyme disease recognized in Australia, I was I was reminded about how I've heard some people talk about allergies and specifically about how... What are you talking about? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm remembering something very specific, actually. I was remembering a conversation amongst a group of older chefs, and they were deriding people who would come to them with allergies. Oh, food allergies. Food allergies, yes, food allergies. It's just a and bunch of grumpy old men. It's a bunch of grumpy old men, but I'm over here thinking to myself, you know, this is a serious issue. You know, I've had a friend who died from his food allergies. and these Seriously? Seriously. Oh, yeah, and that. these people are making light of a really deadly issue. And so I'm... I'm I'm listening to Karen talk about how she has a hope for the younger generation to take this disease seriously. And I think that's kind of where we're, that's, there's a, there's an analogy. There's a, 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 a parallel, a parallel. Thank you there. Whereas, you know, the older generation doesn't see it being as serious maybe, but this newer generation are seeing people getting sick and saying, oh, hey, there might be this explanation for it. Aurora the Philosopher this week. I'm not going to argue with <laughs> If you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, hit the subscribe button. And if you really like what we're doing, leave a review on your podcast app. 
And if you really, really like what we're doing, I'd appreciate it if you support us by donating $1 a month. For just $1, you can help us make the world a better place for people with tick-borne diseases. Just head over to our new page, www.limeninjaradio.com, and look for the patron link under the How Can We Help You headline. Yes, indeedy. We would really, really appreciate it. A big shout-out to our newest patrons, Drew, Jenna, and C.W., Thanks for making the world a better place for people with Lyme disease and other tick-borne illnesses. If you have any feedback, suggestions for guests, anything really, send an email to feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. Love us, hate us, just don't ignore us. And last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with... The Lime Ninja Fact of the Day. Did you know only ninjas can do wheelies on a unicycle? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.